This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mick Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mick Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Yana Shanaeus and Craig Coben. This is our combo show, which will look back at Fulham's victory against Birmingham City and then preview the upcoming match against Reading at Craven Cottage. We have a lot to talk about in this hour show, but before I do anything else, I always have to welcome my co-host to the show. First, Mr. Janaeus, how you doing? Super, super happy after another win, and hopefully we can get the three points against the Royals tomorrow. Okay, and listen, you you and I did a full-time show, but we're going to go in a little bit more detail tonight with Craig. Craig, you were at the match. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I look forward to your insight on what you watched. So let's just start from the beginning. Just give me your opening thoughts on what you witnessed uh, at Birmingham City. Well, you know, Russ, my Instagram is full of people posting photos from Mykonos from Ibiza, from Saint-Tropez. I was able to post photos on a Wednesday night in, in Birmingham, and I had a much better time than any of my friends. It was a special <laughs> evening in the Midlands, going into St. Andrews, taking the three points. Yeah. Uh, in a relatively uh, convincing win, although I don't think... Performance wasn't the greatest, though, correct? I think the scoreline flattered us a little okay. bit. And I'm sure we'll talk about it, yep. but it was a good result. And very encouraging for the team. Okay, very good there, Craig. And we'll we'll get more details from you in just a bit. And Giannis, you and I talked about this already, like I said, on full-time. Any other thoughts, just opening thoughts on the victory? We're going to go into it a little bit more detail, but you've had probably a day or two to think about it. Anything else come out of it for you? You know, it's funny because I'm glad that Craig mentioned this. I've seen a lot of commentary on this, and I agree with this, that it wasn't what you would call a convincing victory because, you know, we didn't control the play that we have normally seen. And I think a lot of that has to do with Birmingham City. But the one thing, and, I, and I'll give the guys from Fall Mitch a lot of credit. They talked about this on the show. I listened to it this morning. It was just about being clinical because we've complained about Fulham being clinical for several seasons. Giannis, good teams are clinical. Fulham are clinical. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think there was a lot of difference between the two teams. Birmingham played their part. We knew it was going to be a tough game. I mean, Lee Bowie has done a very good job up there. And, you know, bringing in players like Troy Deeney also adds to the flavour of the club. And, you know, if you look at possession, it was 50-50. Yep. And, um, you know, by all reports, they played their part. The, the 4-1 did flatter them. But we were clinical in the final third, which was great. Um, it is a very good result, but I don't think it's going to be too reflective of Birmingham's season because I think they're a good side and I think they should be there or thereabouts in the top six and uh, even in the late stages of the game they, they made things difficult for us so you know it's a very on paper it's a very good result but it doesn't it shouldn't paper over all the cracks we've still got a few issues and uh, notwithstanding of course the injuries that we've got right now right right good point there all right Craig over to you and uh, 
Let's start here. You know, again, like I said, it's a four to one victory, and we're going to talk about the starting eleven in a second. Where do you see the turning point of this match? The match turned a few different times. Where do you think it ultimately really went in Fulham's favor? You know, again, we, we could talk about the early goal from Denny Adois. I love saying that now because of you. Or there are other parts of, of uh, this match where the match really turned. How about you? Where, where do you think it ultimately turned in Fulham's favor? Look, I do think that Odua's opening goal really set the stage because it meant that Birmingham would have to play a more open style in order to claw back uh, the deficit. Um, the goal reminded me so much of Odua's goal in the second leg. Yeah, we talked about that. The, the Derby County match in 2018, which all of us will remember of the second leg of the playoffs. Um, he leaped up high and he scores off of a, a straightforward corner. But I do think that what it showed a little bit was that Fulham was able to get a goal early and put another team on the back foot. Bear in mind, shortly before that, we had squandered an opportunity. Harvey Elliott had squandered a a really good opportunity um, to score. And so, I'm sorry, Harry Wilson. Right. Oh, wow. Harvey Elliott, yeah. I I, I don't know why I said that. That's a quick recovery. That's a quick recovery. out of the out of the uh, out of the podcast harry wilson scored uh you know squandered a very early opportunity um to score and uh and so you were wondering whether we were going to dominate the game but not really score right if anything the outcome was the exact opposite we we actually didn't squander too many more opportunities the rest of the way and I'm not saying that Birmingham City were wasteful in front of the goal, but they did put us under pressure uh, at several junctures. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Giannis. Where do you see the turning point of this match? It, I agree. I agree uh, with Craig. The, 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 the Odoire goal was super, and it was so eerily reminiscent of the goal three years ago in the playoffs. And you could see the, you know, the look on his face as he went running away. It's the first goal for three years. And um, it's a blind cross by Wilson as, uh, after he just missed that chance. And uh, once you do that, then you're forcing Birmingham to, to start being more open and expansive. It was a, it was a good goal. And, it was, you know, I don't think we get enough goals from our defenders anyway. Um, I, I've often been critical of it. Um, so it was nice to see Odoire come up and pop up and get one for us and, and get us. It was 10 minutes in. So it got us off to a good start, which is what we wanted. We've had a habit early in the season of scoring early goals and, and setting the tempo. So that was that was really, really pleasing. And um, we seem to pick up some confidence from there on. And... Okay. Giannis, I think we're having some problems with your line. Do you want to try to reconnect in just I a will second? do that. Okay, not a problem. Not a problem. We are having some technical difficulties with Giannis. That's okay. I still have Craig on here with me. Yes. So, very interesting stuff from Giannis. And uh, let's go here, Craig. While while we wait for Giannis to return, let's talk about the starting eleven. Giannis and I went through it, and yeah. uh, we were talking about it. And Giannis w- was fairly critical, and I understand. And I, I I was disagreeing a little bit on the lineup against Blackpool because I, I always like to go with the strongest side, but there's an argument to be made that you need to do squad rotation. I certainly understand it. So how did you feel when you saw the starting 11? Look, um, it was good to see Harry Wilson in the lineup, back in the lineup, and I, that felt pretty good because it meant that we would have an additional threat up front. Uh, Chawaba being in the in – the, uh, having his debut in the midfield. Yep. Also a really interesting development. A lot of curiosity about how he'd play. And I do think that he really vindicated the confidence that Marco Silva has had in him. He had a, a actually quite a superb game. Um, beyond that, not too many other surprises um, uh, in, in on the side. On the other hand, I noticed Hogan in the, in the up front for Birmingham City. Um, he is a player who has caused defenses a lot of problems, especially when he was at Brentford and he was an unbelievably oh, was great scorer at, at yes. Brentford. Um, so I was quite curious to see uh, how they played. I did notice that Troy Deeney uh, started on the bench uh, for Birmingham City as well. Uh, he has been a longtime nemesis oh. of ours. 
And he did it again. (laughs) Even if he's now 33 years old. Yeah, very good. What were your thoughts about Robinson being on the bench and starting Brian? Again, squad rotation, and we talked about this, and I'll get Giannis' thoughts again. I think that was the right move, and Joe Bryan proved Marco Silva right. Yeah, look, I think um, Robinson was probably a bit weary from the international break. Um, You need to rotate players. And Brian has shown that in the championship, he's an excellent winger or defender. You know, he flies up the wing and uh, offers us a lot of width. So, um, you know, he is a, 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 a somewhat of a hero for the fans, given his goal against Brentford in the playoff of 2020. Um, and so there is a lot of, of warm sentiment towards him. But I do think that, uh, rotating between Robinson and Brian will be, you know, quite a, a, a productive, uh, uh, you know, way of, of operating on the left wing. Okay, excellent. Giannis, back over to you. We've already talked about the starting 11, but let's go back there. And uh, you were critical, as I uh, said earlier, uh, for Marco Silva with a Blackpool match, but you made it sound like you felt like he redeemed himself with this match against Birmingham City. So, your thoughts again on the starting 11 and the 18 overall? Yeah, he got it right. He got it absolutely right. Brian, Brian should have come in. Um, it's, a, it's, an, it's a difficult call between Robinson and Brian. I think Brian is the better technical defender, but Robinson's the better athlete. And Robinson had had three, three difficult games in CONCACAF. I thought he should, Brian should have got the start against Blackpool. He didn't, but Brian was brought in and he thought he played very, very well. Chaloba obviously came in for Kenya. Yep. Harry Wilson came in, which was great. Um, Caballero was benched. And Harrison Reed came back in, so it looked like a nice balanced midfield. The strikers looked pretty, pretty, um, pretty lively as well. And it was the lineup that I was, I was really, really pleased with. It was, it, on balance, it was, it was, it was spot on, and um, and that's the sort of thing that, that Coach Silver's really got to look at. I mean, he needs to learn from that international break and, and look at the energies when the players come back and when yes. the squad members coming back on a Thursday night. And then starting them in the northwest up the Blackpool, it's really asking for trouble. Yeah, and that's why I was critical. It, it was just I thought, give you got we've got a big squad. Let's use some players here and let's give some kids a rest. Um, but I think he's probably learned from that. So I was pleased with the lineup against Birmingham for sure. Okay, and I just want to share this uh, comment. We're lucky to have two excellent left backs. Robinson is number one for me. Craig, do you agree with that or disagree? Hmm. <laughs> I agree with Yanis that they offer something slightly different. Um, okay. I do think Robinson is probably the stronger athlete, and, and maybe Brian shades it a little bit technically. Um, but I think we are fortunate to have both of them at, at left back. That's a position that's often very difficult to fill. Yeah. You'll remember in previous seasons, we couldn't find a left back. We used to send Denny Odois. <laughs> we used to play him at left back. Yeah, and he's not a left-footed player precisely because we didn't have anyone to play that position. It's a good point. Play that position. It's a good point. It's in a way, it's a good problem to have. I'm I'm going to bring this to the table as well, Giannis. We've talked about this last season. Sometime would it be good to see Brian and Robinson down the left side together? What are your thoughts? The problem is you got an opportunity cost there. At, uh, whose expense? With the formation set up as it is, I mean, do you, if you put him up front, does that mean Bobby Dekadova Reed has to set? That's a tough call because Reed works so hard, and you're not gonna you're not gonna drop Wilson. You have got Mitra in the middle. Yep. But I I have a you know soft soft spot for Joe Bryan. Yep. Because let's be honest, the free kick, the free kick, the free kick. The, the I mean, it was his birthday. I think it might be his birthday today, actually. Um, yep. And, of course, on every account, it's got the free kick. And the more you watch that free kick, the more you realize how yep. bloody audacious the damn thing was. Yep. What a ridiculous – I mean, if it had been a Brazilian, you'd have gone, well, that's – or even like a Messi or Ronaldo, you'd have gone, oh, my God, that's world class. But little Joe Bryan. And then he, a, he got a second goal later. It was just – it was an amazing day. And um, he didn't – you know, it was tough for him last year. So I'm delighted to see he get some time. I hope he plays tomorrow. And I think he will start tomorrow. Interesting. Reading. I think he will. He, okay. Yeah, a very good game, I thought, against Birmingham. And he's he doesn't he doesn't make any mistakes. We could stick Anthony Robinson against Leeds <laughs> in the Boo Boo Cup. You know, <laughs> I mean, 
you know, and the rotation is important, though. I mean, this yeah. is the key. You can. Swap you guys are both switch. right about that. Yeah, and uh, unlike the right back, where Monsieur Edouard right now is on his own, <laughs> he's basically on his own, and he has a lot to tackle. You know, again, I I don't think Dennis was great against Blackpool, but he certainly held his own more than held his own. Obviously, against uh, Birmingham City was a, a difference maker against Birmingham City. And before we go and break down the match, Craig, I'm just want to get your thoughts on the atmosphere at St. Andrews with amongst the foam supporters being amongst the foam supporters on a way night like that. Just share with us uh, what you experienced there. Well, it was a, it was a great evening. A lot of singing, very good spirits in the crowd. For some reason, the stewards jammed us into one particular section. I mean, I saw that we're in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> there were two sections where the away fans could sit and be segregated from the home fans. And they jammed us into one. There was a bit of overflow. So they let a few people yeah. into the other section next to us across the aisle, but it was a little bit daft why they would be so insistent on jamming us in when, even if we're sitting in the other section, there was a tremendous amount of distance and segregation uh, uh, from the from the Birmingham City fans, atmosphere is good. Some good songs, some new songs. Not ones that uh, we can repeat on a family podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, all in all, uh, you know, it was a good atmosphere. Okay, excellent. All right, let's uh, talk about the first half. Let's get right to it, guys. And Craig, I'll go right back to you because uh, I do want to talk about the goal from Denny Adois, and I want to get your thoughts on it, but I, but I then want to take it to the next level after you talk about the goal, because to go along with it, and I actually touched base with our friend Steve Lidyard on this, because to set up the goal, and uh, I, I definitely want both of your thoughts on this, but mm. I'll go to you first, Craig, is that there was a basketball pick, the best way to describe it, yeah. from Chalba. And Steve said that VAR, if we were in the Premier League, that goal wouldn't have counted. So I want to get your thoughts on the goal from Denny Adois. And do you agree? With, well, Steve's a referee, but what are your thoughts about the fact that he set this pick? And again, if he doesn't set the pick, Denny probably doesn't score. So how do you view the goal? Well, the goal happened at the opposite end of the pitch <laughs> from where I was sitting. So I was lucky to even notice that it was Adois who was scoring. Uh, and I certainly didn't see the uh, the interference or the yeah. alleged interference. But you've seen it since, right? But I, I, did, I have seen a clip of it uh, on on the internet, and it sure looked like a pick without the roll, as we say in basketball. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, a- absolutely, Craig. And and Giannis, over to you because I I checked with Steve, and Steve's our co-host, and Steve said that that would not have counted if it was in the Premier League because of VAR. And he doesn't like the fact that Fulham did that. He wasn't very happy with it. I'm paraphrasing. I, I have a little message from Steve. What are your thoughts about this? Because what's interesting about this, I was thinking about this. I complain all the time about diving. Should I be going after Chalaba for his basketball pick? Well, that wouldn't have counted in the House League game, let alone in the Championship. Um, that was that was very very cheeky. It was it was very naughty. But I don't know what the referee's assistant assistant was up to. I don't know what he was reading or what blade of grass he was watching, because it looked pretty obvious. But um, you know that's, I mean, you pick your poison, right? I mean, you, you in the in the, the Premier League we've become so attuned to VAR and it going get going wrong, and yet in the Championship, you know we have an acceptance that we're not going to have VAR and we put up with it. And you know what, as Wenger used to say. You know, what goes around comes around and what have you. So right. it was cheeky by Chaloba, but yeah. um, he was a little bit of a menace on, on set pieces um, up at uh, Birmingham. And, and that's a good thing because we need more of an aerial presence. Right. I still think we've got some big players and we don't do enough when we're attacking set pieces. It's no. uh, I don't want Monsieur Edouard to be scoring goals. I want to see Tosin get one in there. I want to see, you know, more of our bigger players getting their noggin on it. Um, so it was good that Chaloba did that. Yep, because it gave Edouard the space, and it was a cracking header. Oh, it was! It, w- it was fantastic, Giannis. I was just really g- giving this some thought because there are two ways to look at this when we talk about Chaloba. I understand why 
it was done, I actually believe that, you know, again, this is my opinion that they work on situations like this and they got away with it. And it's a term that we use here with the Patriots. Uh, do business has businesses being done. Well, if you're being allowed to do it, then you should do it. Right. And I guess, you know, and again, I'm very critical of diving. So I'm kind of split on this because I understand why it was done. I don't know if I agree with Steve that it was, you know, I think it was intentional, but I don't think he ran into him. I think he just stood there. I think he just turned and stood there. So I guess there's a couple of ways to, to look at that, but I understand where Steve's coming from on this. And I'm conflicted because I could see both sides. I, see what we would say the Belichick side of it. Well, this is how business is being done. So you do it until they stop you. Same thing. But again, I'm very critical. I hate diving. So, so I'm basically probably being a hypocrite here. If I'm being honest, yeah, but, but let's, let's bear in mind that Birmingham were kicking us off the pitch as well. I mean, Birmingham yeah. was tackling us very hard. That's the true. Correct. We're, I think a little too lenient, especially in the first half. That's a very good point. Um, I don't think it was a premeditated, I don't uh, think it was either. A pick or interference by Chaloba. You know, these things, they happen. We will, I'm sure over the course of the season, we will have more calls go against us than in our favor. It's just the way it is with Fulham. So, um, let, you know, I, I don't feel guilty. I do think that uh, the goal was coming anyway. Yep. Uh, but it was important that we scored early. And by the way, the other thing is, this is a team, Birmingham City is a team that's built around set pieces with tall players. I mean, yes. how many times did they put the ball in the box? They were throwing it in the box. They were oh. corners, everything. And yet they allowed one of the shortest players on the pitch <laughs> to have a free header. That's a wonderful comment there. Denny Adwa is very short and he jumped over all these tall players. That's that's a great point. So it, it makes it even more impressive, Craig. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Very good point. So let's move forward uh, to the end of the half because, again, I want to give uh, a lot of credit. I did this on full-time to Birmingham City because uh, I thought they had their chances to score, and I thought they were dangerous at times, and Fulham never really got control of the match. But Fulham were clinical, and Giannis, you and I talked about this. We could talk about Mitro scoring here on – the penalty, which is great, but it's what Chalaba did that set this all up. And Chalaba really impressed me so much. We talked about this. We were split on who was man of the match amongst people that were watching the show. The goal's great. I'm glad that Mitro scored, but this has a lot more to do with Chalaba. Wouldn't you agree, Giannis? Yeah, this was, I mean, his turn in the box was all about quick feet. And they couldn't handle that. And 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 again, timing of goals. You know, it's 44th minute, you're going. That's up, right. You want, you it's want all about the timing. It, you want to ride it into half time, but to get that penalty, and then I'm thinking, well, he's pretty loyal at his old coach, Silver. So he's going to give Mitra the ball. You know, nice early birthday, 27th birthday present, and he slotted it in the bottom right hand corner. But Chaloba made that penalty. It was, it was, it was brilliantly yep. done. And then so, to, to what Craig said earlier about um, Birmingham, absolutely couldn't agree more. Birmingham are a second version of Cardiff City. I mean, they're, they're just, it's long throw-ins, it's long set pieces. It's, it's a great point. It's very similar. It's very similar. Very similar styles. Um, they're, 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 blue, they're a blue-collar team. They'll try and outwork you, and they'll try and out-kick you as well. And um, it's not easy. To, those, are, those are the sorts of midweek games that teams don't necessarily look forward to. You know, the Birmingham's, the Stoke Cities. I mean, yep. you, know, you know what you're going to get when you get out there. But I thought we did a good job there. But the timing of that goal, Mitro scoring. Oh, uh, I thought we, perfect I, At that point, I thought that's it. That's it. It's halftime, 2 nothing. They're not coming back from that. Okay, excellent. Craig, do you feel the same way at the time that Giannis is saying now? Do you feel at halftime, you're there at the match, that this was Fulham's match all the way at 2-0? And as Giannis said, the second goal, it had to be demoralizing for Birmingham City for that late in the first half. We see that all the time, yeah. how it can really affect the team. So what were you thinking at halftime? And, and analyze just your overall thoughts in the first half. You had to be happy going into the second half. I was very happy uh, going in, you know, at the end of the first half. A little unhappy with the length of the cues for, you know, I wanted to get a beer at halftime. <laughs> cues were just insanely long. Um and they really need to work on the management of their, their catering at St. Andrews. <laughs> I, I just couldn't get there. 
Okay. But I had two issues with our performance in the first half. I thought overall it was a very strong performance. I thought Chalobah with his sort of slide rule passes to Harry Wilson, excellent. Tosin clearing the ball from deep, excellent. Uh, Odua had a, was off to a very good start and so forth. But there are two little flies in the ointment. First, the way we were passing the ball out from the back, we did not look sure on the ball again, as was the case with Blackpool. They were yep. pressing us and they were causing us problems. And second, um, I do think that we really didn't control the ball in the midfield very much. Um, it was actually quite a strange game. Not a lot ha- you know, was going on in the midfield. It was basically, you know, they would be putting the, the crosses in then we would be counterattacking off the back of that. It was a little bit, it's, it reminds me of you know baseball nowadays where it's either a home run or a strikeout. And yep. there are no more stolen bases, it seems. You know, it was just, a, it was a sort of one-dimensional game. And so I was a little bit concerned that we hadn't really gotten a hold of the ball with lengthy possession many times. And the way we were messing around with it at the back, it yep. was like a lot of risk and no reward. That's actually a good way to look at it. Over to you, Giannis. What are your thoughts about what Craig just shared about his analysis of the first half? Well, if Coach Silver and the coaching staff look at look at that first half defensively, I'm sure they'll have, they'll have had a few words um, yesterday at Mott's Park. I said, okay, the scoreline was 4-1, but it flattered us a little bit, and we really yep. need to sort that out. That's where, that's where good coaches come in. You don't right, go, exactly. well, we've gone thumped them. And um, said, look, we've got to sort this out because against better teams, we could be in real trouble. Um, we looked a little bit nervous. I think it, I, I still think in the first half, we had a little bit of a hangover from the Bloomfield road disaster slash hiccup. Um, and I still think some of the players are probably in shock that we lost up there because especially as they lost 3 nothing to Huddersfield, that just about sums it up. That's crazy. But, but once we'd gone the second goal up, I think the second half, you saw that um, we were in control of the game. And um, I was really pleased with the third and fourth goals because they were such quality. Um, not, so, not so pleased with Monsieur Edouard with the penalty we conceded. I've got no idea what he was up to. <laughs> but he always gives us a good laugh. Um, but, I mean, overall, I mean, you know, if you'd said to me before Wednesday, we go up to St Andrews or whatever the hell it's called over, and we win 4-1, I'd have given you, I'd have given you the shit off my back for that. Okay, excellent. All right, let's transition to the second half, Craig, and we'll go right back to you. And we're going to talk about the goal from Harry Wilson. But before that, and this was a, a constant trend in this match. Harry Wilson's runs. Harry Wilson changed form. We missed Harry Wilson. I, I think you'll probably agree with me against Blackpool, obviously for his, his injury, which I'm, I'm glad he didn't play because I only want him to play when he's ready, especially when you're dealing with any kind of head trauma. But he was excellent, and he changed us in this match. And let's talk about the goal Beautifully, again, we get, we get, we we got to talk about the setup to the goal because it was a fantastic setup, and he was off and running. And if you know, it was right in front of you. What's great about it, and I've seen the replay of this, he really just had the goalkeeper going the wrong way. The goalkeeper was expecting one thing, and he just slotted it in. I want to get your thoughts about Harry Wilson and the setup for that goal. Look, there are two observations I would make about the goal. The first is time and again, we saw that his vertical runs were causing a lot of problem for the uh, back three. I believe it was a back three for for Birmingham City. And Chalabot was clearly instructed when you get the ball, you look for Harry Wilson and, you know, you try to do the slide rule pass between a couple of defenders. Um, that, that was clearly the plan. It was the plan in the third or fourth minute. Um, and there were several other occasions where, um, he set Harry Wilson free, and it caused them a lot of problems. And the speed with which it developed this time um, was what sort of caught um, Birmingham City completely off guard. I don't think their back three uh, had a particularly strong game anyway. As for the finish, it was cool as a cucumber. He had time. He had that extra half second, and he could wait for the goalkeeper to commit. Yes. It was really easy, and it was just—it was right in front of us. And of course, you know, we uh, we celebrated with him and expressed, um, you know, extreme amounts of of affection and appreciation. Oh, that's great, Craig. And uh, 
At that point, Fulham are really in control of, of the match. It's 3-0. And I'm thinking, that's that's a great scoreline. It's a fantastic scoreline. I'm thinking, if they can get a clean sheet and ends up 3-0, I'm, I'm all good. I'm good. They've redeemed themselves. But Mitro scores again. And they, this is not just about Mitro here. This has to do with Seri. And great stuff here, Craig. And I'll go right back to you because you saw this. Describe the fourth goal from Fall. I have to see the replay again because I haven't seen the replay of the fourth goal. Um, to, but, yeah, look, you know, it, but at this juncture, I think they were quite stretched and we had, a, like, a lot of space. And, you know, Seri put in quite a good ball for Mitra. But I, I do think at that point, um, it, what was interesting about the goal was that Birmingham City had come close at several junctures before that to scoring. Um, they were putting a, a lot of pressure on us. I mean, Deeney in particular, when he was when he came in for, I believe it was Hogan, you know, they really started playing very directly, and we were struggling um, to sort of hold them back. And then we go at the other end and score and score a fourth. Um, and then it, it was it was quite clear that that was that was the end of the game. I, I really felt that Birmingham City had, were open because they were committing men forward, yep. and if they had scored a goal, maybe they could have gotten themselves back into the game. But um, I actually have quite a good picture and a little video, which I can send you all later of, of oh, good. celebrating. Excellent. Very good there, Craig. And I'm glad that you mentioned Troy Deeney because he was dangerous. He was very dangerous when he came on. He might be, like you said, 33 years old, but he, he still knows how to be a menace, Craig. I think you'll agree with me on that. Yeah. Look, he's been our nemesis when he was at, uh, Watford yeah. in, in particular, you know, he's a, he's a, you know, he's whatever, six foot, six foot one. He's a handful. So physical player with a lot of skill. Yep. And yep. Uh, I have to say that, you know, Tosin played extremely well. And I don't know. He was my man of the match. I don't know how many clearances he had, but it was, he was, he was a busy man throughout the match. I also thought think that Gasaniga uh, played pretty well, especially as a shot blocker. Yep. Um, he was put under pressure as well, and it was good to see. I think, you know, a lot of us feel that Rodak should be entitled to start. He had had a great season. I do. Championship, was an amazing shot blocker. I think that Marco Silva probably prefers Gasaniga because Gasaniga plays out better from the back. His distribution from the back is uh, in his feet are a bit better than Rodax, but I thought uh, Ro- I thought Gazaniga showed really what he's able to do yep. uh, as a shot blocker. That's a good point. And uh, to end our analysis of the match, Giannis, I said we would talk about this. I, I really don't want to talk about, it, but we're going to talk about. It. Let's talk about the penalty for Birmingham City. You've already mentioned Denny here, and you know, does it take the gloss off the victory? I don't. Th- I still don't think it does. But your thoughts on this at the end of the match? It's funny because I've watched all these videos uh, on YouTube from Birmingham City supporters, and, and they're all excited that they scored this goal. And all I can think of to myself, but you lost four to one, you know. But yeah. they had their moment. Troy Deeney had his moment. It was a penalty. I don't think there's any question about that. What was going through your mind when you watched this? Well, I just, just I want to just pivot back to that the fourth goal for a second because sure. I, 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 because it's something that came up in the last twenty four hours. If you look back at that for, that fourth goal, it was Mitro who closed down the defender like a gazelle who hadn't eaten in ten days, and it was a brilliant run. And he played the one two with Seri and he slotted it into the corner. Yep. and I thought it was a superb goal. Now, in the last twenty four hours, Scott Parker made a statement. Where he said that Dominic Solanke... I wasn't going to bring this up, but go I, ahead. I've, I've got to bring this up because Dominic <laughs> Solanke is the best striker in thinking. Now, I'm thinking to myself, Mitro would never have done that last year. Mitro is second in championship scoring behind John Swift. We see John Swift tomorrow. And I'm thinking the amount of work... To talk, about, talk about to diss a former striker, but also look at... If you look at Mitro's portfolio and the number of goals he scored for Serbia, I thought that was an affront. And yeah. to me, that is an Emilio Marcondes moment. To me, that's a moment because the team would have seen this. We haven't played Bournemouth yet, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere near Mitro when we play Bournemouth. 
because that is going to be fun. You, you want to talk about game. bulletin board material, yeah? Oh, you! It was a cracking goal by Mitro. It really was because that was all Mitro. Because yep. really, the ball was yeah. there, and he didn't stop. He didn't oh. stop hounding and chasing. And I'm glad that you talked about the track and back and the defensive oh. part of his game. Would oh. we have seen that under? Did no. we see that under Parker? And the no. answer is no. no. The answer is no. And for Parker, and and I'm, listen, I actually retweeted this because Mike Gregg tweeted this on Twitter about the the article that that Parker said this, and I'm thinking. What's Parker doing? He can't help himself. He just can't help himself. And I'm glad that you brought this up. That's a major mistake by Parker because that could come back to bite him when, when Fulham play Bournemouth. Very good point to bring that up. Um, Greg, what are your thoughts on I that? I, I, I would just say, you know, just, you know, when you look at that goal, it's, the other thing that's interesting about what Mitro did in shutting down that it was the right center back, Cameron's yeah. name, is that. A couple minutes earlier, that that same defender had been dispossessed. I can't remember by who. And I think Mitra recognized that that defender was vulnerable to being dispossessed. And he shut him down, dispossessed him, passed to the one-two with Sari, and scored very quickly. Yeah. Now, as far as Scott Parker's comments, I, I haven't seen them. Yeah. Um, now, I've met Scott Parker once. I was, you know, I was actually relatively impressed, so I don't really want to... Uh, you comment on sure. an interview, uh, but clearly Mitrovic will think that there are some accounts to be settled because <laughs> uh, um, Parker did not have confidence in him no. in the premiership. And I do think that Mitrovic feels to some degree that he is, you know, that in his seasons in the premiership, he may not have been able to prove what he's capable of doing either because, you know, Yukanovic, uh, you know, was fired fairly early in the season or because Parker didn't really, he didn't really fit within Parker's uh, system. What The other thing that struck me about Mitro's play during the game, and this was especially true in the first half, was that he was coming very deep as we were yes. trying to pass it out from the back to try to overload that midfield and give us another outlet, which is, is something very interesting. And you can, you know, I'm a little bit critical of our decision to play out so often that sometimes because I do think that we tend to pass it in front of the goal in very dangerous situations, yep. but it is helpful that he does come deep. Now, does that mean that he's not therefore in a position uh, for us to play quickly and forward and, and, and so forth? And that, you know, is, is a, I think a legitimate concern to have, yep. but it does show the work rate that Mitro has. He is the James Brown of the championship. He is the hardest working man. <laughs> That's good stuff, Craig. And to your point, and, and I want to mention this because it makes me nervous every time Fulham play the ball off from the back. I understand the concept behind it, but here's the thing. And you saw this there. I thought when they kicked it long, it was effective too. So why can't you just mix it up every once in a while? I used to complain about Savisa the same way. And then yeah. Savisa started mixing it up. Mix it up a little bit. You don't have to do it every single time. You give them something else to think about. If you do the same thing over and over again, you get predictable. And they get predictable. And then they can make a mistake. If you mix it up, you probably lessen that opportunity to make a mistake, Craig. The question is how well do you think Mitro can hold up the ball? Because if you're going to kick it long, you need to have Mitro able to win the ball and hold it up. Correct. And uh, he does have a height disadvantage against some of the bigger center backs. In the That's league. true. That's probably uh, the issue. Yeah. But the way we pass it, it's so dangerous in front of the goal. And often just, you know, for example, Reem is left footed. So you know which way he's going to be moving. It's actually awkward for him to move it out um, to, to, to the wing sometimes, depending on yep. the way his body is facing. And the same goes for all the players. It just felt very rickety in one or two occasions. I think uh, we came close to giving up the ball in an extremely diff um, dangerous uh, position. So, as I said, lot high risk, not low reward, almost no reward as far as I can tell. Okay, very good. All right. Giannis, just real quick on the penalty. If you're Marco Silva, what, what do you tell uh, Mr. Adwa? Uh, I probably don't say anything. <laughs> I probably don't say anything. I mean, you know, sometimes players 
will make mistakes or there'll be rash challenges and you don't need to speak to the player because they know they've done it already. It's, it's like double punishment. Um, I, you know, I think they, Birmingham City probably deserved the goal because the 4-1 scoreline did flatter them. It did. Um, and I, and I, I, I do like Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney's, you know, he's a, he's a Birmingham City He's a handful. Yeah, hey, uh, he is still at 33. He can still do a job. He's, he's, a, he's a dangerous customer. And you could see the level of enthusiasm and energy that he brought to the city lineup when he came on it was um okay. he gave a lift to the fans too but by that time it was too little too late but as i said that i don't think it's going to be reflective of birmingham's season i think they're going to get better i like their coach and i think that the more games the more games that Deeney plays the better the problem is how do you slot them in between hogan yutkovich yeah. it's not going to be easy unless there's in unless there are injuries yeah. but um um, it was good for him to see. I mean, he scored the, he scored the goal, and I'm pretty pleased with that. But um, um, it's a shame we didn't get. It would be nice to get if Gaza had got um got a shutout. Yeah, certainly. I, I'll it. say one thing, Russ. And yeah, and, go ahead. Yeah, this, uh, that when they scored the goal, you, Russ, you're absolutely right. The the Birmingham fans cheered incredibly loudly when they scored the goal. <laughs> Almost, I mean, they were being a bit sarcastic, and so all of us in the crowd also cheered for. The Birmingham goal. I mean, it's the first time I've ever cheered for an opponent's goal, but there was a little bit of banter there. Like, yeah, I get it. But uh, I, I couldn't see the penalty because it was at the other end of yeah. the pit. And yeah. uh, they don't have instant replay. In the no, they game. don't. Gentleman Jim talked about that too, Craig, during the broadcast. It's just, and he had a really hard time of, of seeing any video, and, and he was complaining about that a great deal on the broadcast as well. But listen, just to finish up, Giannis and I already discussed our man of the match, and, and we asked the fans on the last show. But I want to get your man of the match. Who is your man of the match? I'm going to say Tosin because See, he had so many. I agree. And if he doesn't clear that ball, you know the, the score line looks a lot different. You could say it's Chaloba, fantastic debut. You yep. could say it's Harry Wilson uh, for the reasons we've discussed. Um, but. For me, it was Tosin. He was, he he swept away everything, and I think he was a rock when we really needed. And we were under a lot of pressure. Yeah, with those Rory Delap style throws oh. from number four. Or Craig, five. it was driving me crazy, and you're watching this right yeah, there. Yeah, I am, and those were good throws. I mean, he was hitting. Yeah. I can't remember the guy's name, and they're Roberts the ball in the box, free kicks, uh, corner kicks. They were, and and you know, he held the fort up. Absolutely, absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Coming up next, we're going to preview the upcoming match for Fulham against Reading. Okay, guys, let's end the show by doing a quick preview of the upcoming match against Reading on Saturday for Fulham at Craven Cottage. Mr. Janaeus, give me your opening thoughts on Reading. John Swift has started the season very strong. They do seem to score a decent amount of goals, but guess what? They give up a lot of goals, too. So I have a feeling we're going to see goals in this match. Thoughts on Reading? Coach Ponovic has done a, a decent job down at the Medeski. Um, but the thing that I question about Reading is I don't really think they've got an identity. I just, I don't, I don't. I mean, they brought in Scott Dan. They brought in uh, Danny Drinkwater. John Swift has scored seven goals. He's got off to a fantastic start. The last time we played him at the cottage was two years ago. Swift scored one and our friend Charlie Adams scored one. Um... That was in a 2-1 defeat. But they're leaky at the back. They struggled to beat Peterborough United on, uh, I think it was Tuesday. And I think Peterborough are going to go straight back down. Reading have seven points early in the season. Um, with the lineup that I think we're going to have out tomorrow, not tomorrow, I really don't see any issues with that beating them uh, at the cottage. Although I do know that Reading, uh, I was checking on the Reading website today, and Reading have filled out their complement of close to 1,800 fans. So yep. the away the away end is going to be full tomorrow. Yep. Um, I I mean I, I you know they'll work hard off the ball. They do have some skill, but I just don't see enough there that's going to trouble us. Swift is the player to yep. watch, but he's playing from the, he's coming from the centre of midfield. We should be able to have the three in there that are going to be able to to check his late runs because Swift is good at, at those late runs down the middle. Um, so they'll give us a bit of a test, but I really can't see past the fact that we should be able to dispose of them tomorrow. Okay. Craig, your thoughts on Reading? Look, I haven't seen them this season. I've only been able to see a few clips. And so, you know, I don't have access to the kind of scouting 
resources that Yanis clearly does, and he's gone through it in a lot more detail than I have. Um, what I will say is, you know, Reading have been a little bit our nemesis over the years. You know, we can all remember what happened in oh. the 2016, 2017 season. I was there at Majeski Stadium when uh, we we lost them based on a very controversial penalty call on Thomas Callas. You'll recall. Oh, I'll never forget uh, that. It cost us a trip to the to the finals where yep. I, I bet we would have beaten uh, Huddersfield. You know, history is full of woulda's and could'ves, and uh, for Fulham, some of them have happened um, at the Majeski Stadium. Yep. So we'll see. Look, I, I think it'll be a home match. It'll be pretty spicy. Uh, you know, they're not far away. It'll be, uh, you know, it's pretty good weather here in, in London. So I expect a full turnout from Reading. Um, but we look really strong. And I think the biggest competitive threat to Fulham comes from Fulham. You know, if we play our game. We it's Fulham be, versus Fulham. Yeah, we should be in a position to to dictate, you know, where we're going to end See, up. See, I agree play. with that, Craig. That's our biggest foe is going to be ourselves. So um, looking forward to tomorrow's match. And, okay. uh, you know, I think it will also be an interesting test to see whether the Blackpool result was a fluke yep, or whether it's just something that maybe the team's strength is a little bit more brittle than we thought because the performance against Birmingham City was, I would say, okay. We showed dashes of brilliance, but we showed areas of vulnerability yep. and we didn't really boss the game. And so I think Reading will be a good litmus test for us. That's a great point and goes back to what we said in the beginning. The performance wasn't the greatest. Fulham were the more clinical team. That's what it came down to. But when you're a good team, that's what you have to do. That's what happened to Fulham, Craig, in the Premier League. Yeah, last season, last season we couldn't score. We were often out playing teams, but we couldn't. We score. were, we just weren't clinical enough. So it's almost like role reversal for that Birmingham City match. That's actually a great point, and I want to give the guys from Fulhamish credit on that because they mentioned that as well. It's a good point by them. All right, Giannis, I want to ask you your thoughts. We do have some team news, so let's talk about this. Fabio's going to miss again. How much of a loss is Fabio against Reading? I think we'll be able to manage without him because it's looking like Harrison Reed's going to be a doubt. He is a doubt. So, I was just going to mention that. But Josh Onoma's coming back in, which means that Chaloba yep. will probably be playing in the middle with Seri and Onoma. So we should be able to manage without him. We've got the Karabubu Cup coming up in the week. And <laughs> Marco said that he doesn't think he'll be ready for that, which means he'll be ready for the following game. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Okay. Um, we managed to do without him. Um, against Birmingham City, so I think uh, I think we should be okay. Okay, all right, Craig, over to you. Key players for Fulham in this match, you know. Again, let's just focus on Fulham, and then I'll go to Giannis and get his thoughts on what Fulham need to do to win the match. Who are you looking for to really step up against Reading? Look, I think uh, I'd be interested to see if um, you know some of the players we haven't talked about can really step up, you know, Decker Dover Reed, uh, for example, yep. um, um, you know, if, if Onoma starts, um, Seri, who at times has shown some real class, but at times disappears from the match. I'd like to see maybe a little bit more uh, stability and authority in the midfield. Okay. Than maybe what we saw against, uh, against Birmingham city. Um, the defense showed that it, it can bend, but it won't break. Right. The, you know, our strikers show that they can be clinical on the day, but um, this is a long season and you need to have that midfield, you know, dictating play because, um, you know, results will be lucky. Some games will be unlucky. Other games will score more or less goals than our expected goals. But in aggregate throughout the entirety of the season, it's really going to be what happens in that midfield that will decide where we end up in the table. It's the control and they need to get better control than they did against Birmingham city. That's a great point because you can be clinical Craig, but overall at some point you need to start dominating matches again. They have, and they just need to do it again. 
And they're not going to be able to do it every match. They just need to bounce back with a better performance. I agree with you. For me, it is the midfield. That's a good point by you. All right, Giannis, what does Fulham need to do to win the match? I think just play their game. I mean, uh, Harry Wilson's going to be available, looks like. Um, we're the home team. Just go at them. Watch uh, Billy the Badger doing his electric boogaloos in the corner. Uh, let the, the home fans rip and cheer us on. And... Um, and just go out Reading. They don't really, I mean, we shouldn't be frightened of them. The, the Blackpool game should be just what it was, which I hope was a blip. Take the confidence in what happened up at Birmingham and attack them like hell. And I think we're, we're going to score some goals tomorrow. Mitro's playing in, in great shape and um, okay. some good confidence there. Just play just play our normal game. They're going to come to They're going to come to the cottage and go, oh, Christ, they're, they're top. They're scoring goals for fun. This isn't going to be fun. Um, so they're going to have more to worry about than, than we will. And um, I'm, if I'm Coach Silver, I'll just say, go out and play your game. Play your okay. game. Keep it tight. But let's get an early lead because once you do that, it sets you everything really up. Be honest. Sets everything up. You, you impose the tempo for sure. Because you, you want to set the dominance early, and Fulham have been great at, about scoring early. When they haven't, like against Blackpool, I think uh, you saw some um, vulnerability, uh, and I, I totally think you did. I think scoring early is important to to Fulham. I think they need to do it again. Okay, Giannis, I'll go back to you, and then I'll get Craig's starting 11. Give me your starting 11, not what you think Silva's going to do. What would you do? Okay, so Gaza's in net. Uh, Gaza's in net, so <laughs> we're going to go. Joe Bryan starts at left. I, I'll give him another game. Uh, Monsieur Edouard goes at right back and we've got Tosin and Reem in the uh, centre-back position. Midfield Midfield's going to be interesting. Yeah, I say Seri, Onoma and Chaloba. And then I, up I like it. And then Wilson, then we've got Wilson and Bobby Decadover, Reed and Mitra. I like that. That's a very strong lineup. How about you, Craig? Anything different for you? I guess the question is whether you have Cavallero start up front on the, on the left side. Um, so that's my question on the up front. I think Wilson and Mitrovic are pretty certain. Okay. I think for the midfield, I guess it's a question of whether Harrison Reed is available. I I, I think if you have Seri, Onoma, and Chalabad, I don't know how whether, whether that is a relatively unbalanced midfield and whether you may have to tinker with the, the, the structure. I think having Harrison Reed in that kind of number six role, if I can call it like that, you know, he, he's a good technical player for that number six role. Um, the back four, probably the same. I guess the question is whether you have Robinson or Brian uh, at left back, and that may be a function of much, uh, of much of uh, as much of, uh, of fitness as anything else. Well, let me ask you this, because I do believe Fabio's a loss. I, I think it hurts a little bit. I Again, yeah. I see what he brings, Craig. Who plays that role? Is it Anima? No, it would be Chalaba to me. It would be Chalaba. Yeah, you know, that sort of um, number. It was Well, we play – it depends whether you call it a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. Yeah. But that sort of pseudo number ten role—it's not classic number ten role. No, it's not. Um, Andrew Silva. I, I would think I would think it would be Chalaba, and you know I think you know at least last game, every time he got the ball, he was looking forward. He was looking to pass it forward. By he way, was completely the opposite of the way we played last season when you know when our players got the ball, they looked sideways and okay. made a safe pass. Um, so that's what I would expect. Okay. Uh, against a team like Reading, especially when we're playing at home. I think also you want to play through the middle. I mean, look, you know, Craven Cottage is a slightly smaller pitch than the norm, so we often play through the middle. Okay, excellent. All right, time for your predictions. If you're watching live, feel free to share your predictions, and uh, we'll go through it right now. I'll go to you first, Craig. What's your prediction for tomorrow? 4-0 Fulham. Really? You're going 4-0? Wow, he's, he's going out 4-0. Wow. Yeah, that's I, a I mean, strong scoreline. I mean, it could be higher, but I'll be conservative. <laughs> Craig, I hope it's higher, but I'll I'll take four nil. Thank you. I'll take four nil. Giannis, how about you? You know what? I th I I think Craig's on the right lines. I think this could be a hammering. I really do. I think this could be an absolute belting. Uh, we've got some. Um, the Reading Football Club have been putting out these tweets about Jan Kermagant's 
penalty in 2016. Oh. And then the win, yeah, and the, and the win two years ago, Charlie Adam scoring, uh, Charlie Adam scoring. Yeah, there you go. And um, we don't, we're not great fans of Reading. Um, I think we're going to beat them 3 nothing, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher than that. I just think that um, um, the one thing that we've not really seen yet uh, is it's early in the season, is us deciding we're going to really put a team to the sword. Yep. Like, really give them a good. And um, it was close to that up at Huddersfield, but this could be the game. This could be it. This could be where we just decide we're just going to have some fun. And uh, if it's going to be at Reading's expense, I'm pretty pleased with that. I would be fine with that. And uh, anyone that does not know this, the, the one match besides going to the championship final that I went to, I went to Reading for the 3-3 draw. And uh, I, I went to the Modesky Stadium back in 2012. I was there. So I, there's a love loss with me w- with Reading. Not at all. So I'm all I'm good with that. And, of course, the, the uh, playoff that you went to, to Craig, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm going to go three to one. That's the scoreline I had already predicted. So I'm going to go three to one. And I'm going to just share some other predictions we've got from Robin Pendro, Mitro Brace, three to, three to one to Fulham. Let's see what else we got. Three or four nil. I like that. Let's see what else we got here. Let's see. Ralph Leach, three to one. Got a lot of three to ones. That's very interesting. Okay. We got Cole Bugler and Cole. I understand where you're going three to one, but no one I like it'll be two to. I, I hope you're wrong on that, but we shall see. We shall see what the score is, but I think Fulham are going to win, and I'm going to stick with three to one. Okay. Well, let's wrap up this show before we go. Mr. Coben, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. It's always a pleasure having you come on, my friend. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Russ. And it's always great to uh, be able to describe the atmosphere, especially when you're one of the sort of away fans, you know, putting going into the Lions Den, although – it wasn't that hostile an environment as St. Andrews. <laughs> okay. Giannis, as always, thank you for joining me. Uh, Giannis, you've told me off air, if, if it's okay to share that, Birmingham, I've never been to Birmingham. You said it's not the nicest place to go to. Is, is that correct? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not particularly a fan. I'm thinking of all the away grounds and places I've been to. There are some places that you got a soft spot for. One of them, funny enough, is Blackpool. Because Blackpool, yep. you can really make a weekend out of it. I, I remember some funny places like Torquay United, where which was really, really fun whenever you go to the West Country. Um, but Birmingham is not one of my favourites. But having said that, I um, still remember, believe it or not, the semi-final against Birmingham City in 1975. Okay. Uh, of the FA Cup uh, when John Mitchell scored the winner. And um, so we've got a decent history against them, but... but um, it's not an easy place to go, but Birmingham are a team that I do respect, and I do, yep. as I, I said before, I do like Lee Boyer, considering where he yep. as a player and, and what happened at Charlton Athletic. So, um, but Birmingham's not the nicest city I've ever been to. No. Okay, I, yeah. I, I, last time I was in St Andrews, Yanis was when the you know our twenty three game streak uh, came oh. to an end. Oh yeah, last game of the season experience. They did. They didn't. Uh, you know, the, the pitch was a mess. Look, the St Andrews is not located in the most scenic neighborhood um the but uh it is atmospheric around there birmingham is uh is a town you can take or leave but i i have a soft swap for it you should go visit i think one of the great things about traveling with fulham away is you get to see a lot of england outside of london see i would love to do that craig i wish i could do what you're doing my favorite away day burton albion okay oh wow burton albion Wow, go. that's very interesting. My friend Andy, his uh, his boyhood club is uh, Burton Albion. He's, yeah. he's now a West Brom supporter, but he born and bred in Burton Albion. That's very, very interesting that you said. Andy from New Hampshire on Twitter. That's very interesting you say that. Really? But anyway, I, I think it gives you the opportunity to see these places. Like Sheffield yeah. is actually an interesting city. Manchester around the northern quarter, very interesting. See, city. I would love Otherwise, to do you this. I have the chance to see these places. Yeah. So. I always encourage people to to follow their team away. If that's they can. that's great advice because again, I wish I had the time to do, be able to go to like a bunch of away days and come to England and basically really explore England. I've been to London twice, but I'd like to see the country. And a way to do that would be to see Fulham play away. That's a, that's a great point there, my friend. All right, well, listen, we do have to wrap this up. I just want to share and I want to say thank you to 
everyone for watching and listening. Thank you, John. That's very nice of you. And Chris, as always, thank you so much. We really appreciate you watching and listening to College Talk. It's Thanks, guys. now 10 years old, older than that now. And uh, I just appreciate everyone that continues to come back. It amazes me each and every week. And uh, I'm lucky to do this with some great people. So thank you, as always, for watching and listening to College Talk. But let's wrap it up. For Yashinaeus and Craig Coben, I'm Russ Golden. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.